0: What is up, Internet? Well then just be sensitive to my sensitivity. My name is Matthew Crowe, and I'll go to war for you. My name is Shahir Dowd, and this <laughs> is the only
1: podcast about movies. Whoa. I was wondering. I was like, as I was saying it, I was like, who am I going to? Wait, am I going to war for you? You go to war for me. I'm going to war. <laughs> Because of you, I, I got I, I got confused mid
0: You're going to war specifically for the film 1001.
1: A.V. Rockwell's new film, which I'm very excited that we're getting to chat about. Uh, a little bit of a uh, change of pace from some of the bigger things. We did Guardians of the Galaxy last week. Uh, volume 3, plus Evil Did the week before that, if I'm not mistaken. Polite Society, a little bit of action in there as well.
0: I would say, if you look at the last... Let's say 5 6 films we've done. One it's are the last... actually on a good scale. So, starting with Mario, Mario. then then All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, okay. then then Bo is Afraid, then Evil Dead, then Polite Society, then Guardians of the Galaxy and now 1001. I feel yeah. like and balance. let me yeah. be very clear. I love the breadth of our content. Yeah. I feel like what I just described is the algorithm killer. Like <laughs> Oh, 1001 <laughs> is the algorithm killer? No, 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 no. The 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 seven films in a row, we have no through lines, hear yeah. other than movies, which is kind of what I like anyway. That's it, I, It's just fun. I just think it's silly. It is just the
1: fact that like when you throw in a Marvel movie, or uh, as we're going to be doing next week, uh, a Fast and the Furious movie, or sure. as what was promoted wildly this today on the internet, there will be a Mission Impossible movie coming up soon. I did but, not watch the trailer. Uh, I didn't watch the trailer either. It, it just seems like there is th- Those movies occupy a lot of space you know like they they feel like they take up a lot of room in this conversation Uh um and so, you know, like, it's nice that we get to do a few a few of the small movies, like Polite Society, like percent. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, like A uh, Thousand and One that we'll be doing, which, of course, was a Sundance uh, Grand Jury Prize winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, And also, the other reason I wanted to do A uh, Thousand and One is it's a New York film, a New York film made by someone from Queens, uh, sit in and around the environment that we live in. So I thought that would be a little um, a fun, fun thing to reflect upon as we discuss this movie as well. But... We also have emails from uh, some of our previous discussions, including that giant behemoth that uh, occupies a lot of brain space uh, in our cultural cinematic uh, watch habits. Matt, could you read out the first email?
0: I'm trying to think of what the uh, what the what the anagram is. Cultural cinematic watch habits. Uh, <laughs> C uh, C C C W H the yeah. CCWH the CCWH yeah yeah there we go <laughs> the Topam CCWH the Topam CC... CCWH <laughs> dot org. yeah uh, okay Stephen writes to <laughs> us just saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is it just me. Or does James Gunn get more like Steven Spielberg as a director every film? Interesting. Ooh. I feel like they've set everything up in the open, foreshadowing like mad. They are leading you to a predictable emotional moment, and yet somehow it still hits and you find yourself getting all the feels. They are both like magicians who show you the trick as they perform it and yet still get a how-did-they-do-that reaction from <laughs> you. Uh, I I can see that. Um, I can totally see that similarity. Okay, Uh, I think there's something. Here's my thought, Stephen. Okay, when something is so in your wheelhouse or just so good, and it could be one or the other or both, um, I think your familiarity with it. If the content is not handled specifically, uh, delicately, or well, will it will become a detriment. You being familiar, so familiar with a style or an arc or the way things are done, you start to be like, oh, I understand where this is going, let's just fucking get it over with. But when you see someone do it at like a really high level, it switches. It goes from a, oh, I'm tired of seeing this because I understand what's happening, to a, I understood that reference for two and a half hours, and the dopamine hits in your brain, I think, really do go off for a lot of that time. So um, wait, how does that relate to James Gunn and Spielberg? Sorry, I, I lost the uh, The ability to uh, have you, everything set up in the open, there's a bunch of foreshadowing, and it leads you to a predictable emotional moment. I'm Ooh. saying, he, his, his analogy, Steven's analogy about a magician uh, sh- performing the trick and showing it to you as well, right. I'm saying, when we are so familiar uh, with works and styles and structures, but uh, that are also being done by masters, it transitions from not liking that you're like not surprised at all to really enjoying the journey of not being surprised at all. Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I think. Uh, uh, I I think the breadth of Spielberg's work is far wider than than guns. You know, like you know, there's, there's fewer superhero movies and in, in Spielberg's oh, yeah. body of work, you know, and far are far more like. Uh, a, a varied content. Uh, you know, I'm talking
0: specifically uh, about like the structure and the way. Yeah. that's. Sort
1: of I, I think in been. relation to what you're saying, uh, the phenomenon that I would describe that I'm kind of having, uh, I'm enjoying, but I kind of maybe feel the feel what you're saying there is the Wiss Anderson trend on TikTok right now. Have you seen this where like everyone's <laughs> make yeah. everything a Wes Anderson movie, and yeah. it and you know it's becoming apparent that like uh, people are latching on to the Wes Anderson aesthetic, but like what you're describing. When I watch a Wes Anderson film, uh, particularly you know when we did The French Dispatch, for example, I feel that that is a much more than just the aesthetic. And I think when I watch the TikTok reels of um, people doing like making a Wiss Anderson, I think it's great, by the way, because I've you know loved Wes Anderson movies my you know like since I saw his first one, um, and so I've been following his career in real time, so to speak. And I feel like I have a fairly Clear understanding of like how his work works, um, you know. You could also look at uh, Patrick Williams did. Uh, what if X Men was directed by uh, Wes Anderson years ago? It's the house um, that Willems was built on. Um, also, uh, SNLs had a uh, had a uh, What if Wes Anderson directed a horror movie uh, sketch a few years ago as yep, well. So yep. it's, it's it's a common gag. Yeah. Um, I just I guess I the only thing is like what you're saying. I think when Wes Anderson makes Wes Anderson films. It is. Uh, it is much more than the aesthetic. Yeah, you uh, understand the trick. You yeah. like, and you, and you're cool with it. Like, well, because he's, he's doing it so well. The aesthetic is not actually the point. It's just his language. Um, you know, like I don't find that the aesthetic is actually the the reason why he does things. It just happens to be the way he does things. Um, you know, so so I think that's interesting. Uh, James Gunn and Spielberg. I, I don't know if Spielberg has uh PG porn in his repertoire as James Gunn does, um, which I which I think is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for writing in, uh, Stephen, and um, go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three again. I guess maybe. Yeah, maybe I'll do later. it. Don't uh, threaten
0: me with a good time slash <laughs> <until I'm laughs> crying all night. <laughs> uh, Paul writes in
1: salutations. I'm a frequent listener and enjoy the show, and I've been going through your back catalog as well as keeping up with the most. Uh, with most of the current releases still bent out of shape over Polite Society's shortened window. By the way, uh, just side note here, my wife did get to go see Sir Polite Society with friends of hers, and they had a great time. Hey. Uh, first, let me say thanks for the countless hours of entertainment and pa- parasocial entertainment for those of us who have way too much <laughs> brain space at any time devoted to thinking about movies. Recently, I listened to what was probably the most challenging episode for me, Sicario from 2015. Man, that wow. is going
0: back uh, okay. a while. Let's see where this goes. I'm a
1: big fan of Denis Villeneuve, and I was blown away the first time I saw Sicario. I found it to be a really compelling story, highlighting the USA's collaboration in the war, uh, in the violence of the drug war. Thematically, it resonates with the tensions uh, between the desire for justice and feelings of powerlessness, to the point of non agency beyond the resources uh, one takes to survive. And to top it off, Josh Brolin's Matt Graver is one of my all time favorite movie villains. Uh, a charismatic, terrifying, off the books operative committing heinous acts of violence in the shadows of American interests. I'm a hundred percent this exact brand of person exists in reality on a different note uh, and and just to jump in there, I think the the part that was challenging for uh, for Paul writing in there is that uh, we were not the biggest <laughs> fans of that movie on that yes. episode yes, uh, i um. I believe Stephen Buja joined us for that episode. Uh, on a different note, I'm just listening to the I'm Thinking of Ending Things podcast and really enjoyed your perspective. It's not a film I particularly enjoyed on my first and so far only viewing. Like you both, I felt like the popular interpretation of the film is kind of uninteresting and less the overall impact. However, hearing you talk about what you enjoyed about the film made me realize how much I had approached it as a puzzle that needed to be solved in trying to decode the underlying story. I failed to engage with it emotionally with the film from moment to moment. I'm interested in rewatching watching and see my experience changes. Um, so, thanks, uh, Paul. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate the the thoughts there. Again, um, uh, apologies if, I, if our opinions with Sicario didn't line up. Um, usually what happens is one person will, will line up with the popular opinion, one person will be against it. Um, I do... It's a weird thing with Sicario. I talked about this uh, when we talked about The Departed. I watched The Departed... The Departed. Almost every other year. In this sort of like going... I think I like this. And then every time I watch it, I go, I don't think I like this. (laughs) Um, And then it's, Sicario actually falls into the exact same category, but with a sort of inverse relationship to it, which is I watch it going, I don't think I like this. And then I'll watch it and go, I think I like this. And I'll, I'll get through the all of Sicario and go, every scene in this movie is amazing. This movie is like brilliantly executed. Uh, Every time I watch it, I am exhilarated by the prowess of filmmaking on display. Um, I still have a feeling that the ending doesn't quite work for me, but I sort of, I think what makes it work for me is that I like all of the pieces in play and I, I know what it's getting at. I just don't know if it works. Um, and so I and, and you know I, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I think it's I think it's a wonderful, um, wonderful piece of filmmaking. Uh, very grim, of course, um, but you know Villeneuve is, is kind of incredible in, in that sense of, of being able to create a fairly grim world that is mesmerizing to watch. Um, I think in that question about the uh, the U.S. involvement in the drug war, uh, you know the other film to think about, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, but Steven Soderbergh's Traffic um, mm-hmm. really plays in the same space as well. Uh, I know there was a sequel to Sicario called uh, Day of the Day of the Soldier or Day of the Soldad, uh, or or maybe it was something else.
0: There uh, was a sequel. I don't remember the name. It was
1: a straight to video sequel. Well, straight to video is kind of as a different straight meaning to now. streaming.
0: Straight to streaming uh, sequel. Was like it? This. I thought I, it had a theatrical. Maybe movie. it did
1: have a theatrical run. Yeah, but it, it didn't. It just didn't feel like as much of an event as the first one. Um, sure. So, uh, yeah. No, I look. Uh I'm, I'm sure I will re-watch Sicario at some point. I own it. Uh, I will definitely watch it at some point, and I will tweet about it when I do and see if my opinion, along with the departed, ever changes over time.
0: Paul, I'll even say this. Uh, perfect email, 10 out of 10. You did the thing exactly that I want this podcast to do, which is the uh, the second part first. Uh, listening to us discuss a film that might not have connected with you and having you go back and revisit it, hopefully maybe finding something new, and you doing the exact same thing for me. You have now made me want to go back and watch Sicario. It is a a reciprocal uh, relationship. Uh-oh, did we just become a little more parasocial? Yeah. I think we did, Paul. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, seriously, in all honesty, that, this is my favorite kind of email. I'm glad that I uh, that we could uh, talk to you about something you didn't connect with and you talked to us about something something we didn't connect with, and now we can go back, and maybe we'll all fall in the same spot, yeah. but it's fun to try looking at things a different way. There's also films
1: that I won't rewatch. you know, like a game where I feel like I've gotten everything I need to get oh, out yeah. of them, and Sicario, and I think I'm, I'm thinking of ending things, are two films which I was like, I'm going to rewatch these many, many times mm-hmm. over in my life, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that those movies generate a lot of discussion. Yeah. Uh, Matt. Could you tell us what 1001 is about, and if you'll be re-watching it again in your life?
0: Well, here we go. First, let's tell you what IMDb says 1001 is about. After an unapologetic and fiery loyal Inez kidnaps her son, Terry, from the foster care system, mother and son set out to reclaim their sense of home, identity, and stability in a rapidly changing New York city. Living
1: just enough.
0: For the I'm I'm a dead DMCA dead. strike boom done, done. too done. good you're too good <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so you you suggested seeing this film I actually hadn't heard of it and then what I like to do um, after uh, as I'm putting together my thoughts I like sort of like seeing what other people are saying about it and you know looking at reviews and things like that and uh, I gotta say there's not a lot of them out there for this one this for, one for is Sundance kind of a grand, hidden gem grand jury I know <laughs> yeah uh, grand prize jury
1: winner it is uh there there are well there there are many written reviews there are a few there 's not a lot of it doesn't it's not the kind of movie that circles around the same youtubers that
0: uh we probably would be watching sure um, it or, was one of those things that got me thinking though about windows of release time yeah this had a very short release window and um and then went straight to streaming pretty quickly but this feels like if you released this in December, yeah. November. Mm-hmm. It would have real like Oscar tracks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're 100% correct. And I think, you know, look, that's the gamble um that A24 changed with uh everything everywhere all yeah. at once by releasing it so early in the year and then managing to carry it on. Uh the conversation around whether this will have the legs to stick around till Oscar time, you know, like it, that's a sporting analogy for the arts. Uh, and so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you that, that, that holding this till the end of the year, unfortunately, I I mean, not unfortunately, but the fact that it won Sundance meant that there was, uh, probably a a somewhat of a demand to see it much like polite, polite society, which played at Sundance and sold at Sundance. So there was a demand to see that movie as quickly as it had come, you know, um, Con, the Cannes Film Festival is happening right now, so everything that's playing at Cannes, we want to be able to see very shortly. Uh, I know Scorsese is there with Killers of the Flower Moon, um, so I know that will be a hot ticket coming out of there. But well, despite the fact that I think that that will be a big Oscar play for that particular movie as well, right? Um, so yeah, this was a this was an interesting one. Um, I was interested in seeing it for a couple of reasons. One is obviously the fact that it won Sundance. Second is that I uh, I remember being called in as a ringer uh, for a Christmas special many years ago. Um, I think it was two thousand. My, my son had just been born. And I remember this very vividly because this is also the last project I edited on Avid. Um, I used to be an Avid editor, and then I, I, I haven't edited an Avid project since then. So we're talking 2016. Um, but, uh, it was a VH1 Christmas Divas episode. And one of the hosts who was doing special and performing a song was Tiana Taylor. Um, and I remember, uh, I think I was brought in to recut like some behind the scenes footage of her. Um, with her husband and her family and her kids and she was just great I, I like I loved watching her and I thought she was really fun I, there's a line that she says in that behind the scenes thing her husband is Iman Schumpert uh, the NBA player and uh, he tries to sing something and she turns to him and says you just gotta add a little vibrato to it and then just like resings sings it, it was, I don't know why I've always said that line to other people I was like you just gotta <laughs> add a little vibrato to it I don't even think that thing made the cut <laughs> uh, to be honest with you I just remember remember that line very yeah. vividly. Um, and then, of course, uh, Tian Taylor's been around directing music videos for a little while. She's also a singer um, uh, in her own right. Uh, famously, she was in the Kanye West Fade video. I remember that was a moment when that video dropped. Um, she uh, danced in that video, and it was quite a cultural moment from memory. Um but yeah, I was really interested in seeing in that transition uh, because this does not feel like a film that for someone like her who has been playing in the sort of glamorous music video space um, to take on, uh, as in that same way, the images I'd seen from the actual um Uh, the Sundance Prize made it look like this was a gritty character study, um, which I was always, you know, I'm always interested in. So I was excited to see it, and also excited to have one that was on home release that we could go see, maybe contradicting that thing I'd been talking about in terms of polite society being available. It would have been nice to see this film in a local theater, uh, but unfortunately there was none screening nearby. Uh, It played in New York for a little bit, and, and that is a shame because it is a New York movie. Um that didn't have much of a run in New York City. Um, The second, just the other, just one last thing is that I was contacted by A.V. Rockwell's team at some point many, many years ago. Uh, to help out uh, do visual effects on a short film that she was making called Feathers. And I remember being very impressed by the script at that point as well. It didn't work out. We didn't, it didn't end up working on the film. But I remember uh, going back and forth and looking at all her storyboards and reading the script and material that was being put together for that film. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So that was, uh, so, the, so uh, you know, and, and just the thought that, that you know, like that was only a few years ago from that to going to win a Sundance Grand Jury Prize. Uh, it's kind of nice to see that trajectory and, see, and just seeing what, you know, ha- happens in that space as well. Um, Matt, you didn't know much about it. You've just watched it. Uh, what did you think?
0: Um, this one for me was uh, a complicated watch mm. uh, overall. I mean, the craft on display is uh, absurdly good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it it feels real and lived in, and there are characters that feel like human beings. Uh, that that uh, like to the point where my brain sometimes I found like switched into like documentary mode. Mm -hmm. Like I was watching it like, but I wasn't, you know how when you like, excuse me, when you relate to characters, you're thinking about characters or where a films going? You're like, sometimes you'd be like, You'll, you'll under, you know, they're characters, they're things. I felt that sometimes the performances were so solid in the way it was shot and how it was done. I was like, my brain just clicked into like thinking about it differently in ways. And that's not a criticism. That's just a really sort of interesting thing I clocked it in, in my viewing experience. Um, but also, I think the flip side of that for me is this was a film that i think i really enjoy thinking about and talking about more than i enjoy watching okay uh i found this movie very difficult to watch not again from a from a skill perspective um yeah. but um just just from a huh, uh, a reminder of how fucked up the entire system is uh, I mean, the way, I mean, literally, and by the system, I mean, literally everything having to do with these characters in this movie, like, uh, the prison industrial complex, the, um, the, the child services, the, the poverty, the landlords being pieces of shit, the, like, like so many, many, many things. Uh, again, I think this is an important movie and a very well made one. I found it difficult to watch. Hmm. Um again, not saying don't do it. I think you have to watch things that are difficult. Uh and I think you can get a lot out of them like I did this film. But it's one of those things where like uh I talked to Jamie right after and I was like, it's just like, oh, how'd you like it? And I was like, Ah I it was it was super well made and like it kind of like threw me off cool. uh like in a way. So so I mean again, going back. Uh, I'm not familiar at all with uh Tiana Taylor. Uh mm-hmm. I think I saw that Kanye video, but mm-hmm. I, I don't remember. Right. Um uh she is a force of nature in this movie. And again, when I say that, I mean like the character feels legitimately real and human. Mm-hmm. Like there were times where like I really like s I don't know, like could relate and, and, and loved what she was doing and trying to do for her family, and other times I thought she was being it's like super monstrous, and it was like I when you see characters like that on screen, especially ones that are portrayed so skillfully uh it reminds you of the complexity of people, especially in a in a in a world again that we go back like even looking last week, guardians right like they're archetypes they're not like there there there's only so much depth there uh this movie is fathoms deeper, and uh it's nice to see uh. Stories that I don't find easy that I find valuable. does that make sense? yeah, i uh, I think i'm I'm I think we should get into
1: specifics uh, to to sort of unpack that reaction um a little bit at some point, but I sure. but I think that's a that's a valid um yeah, it's it's a, it is a challenging film. And you know, as a dad, uh, there are moments in this that just make me go, yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's a particular moment which has nothing happening but um particularly if anyone has seen it reminded me of the end of grave of the fireflies if anyone has seen grave of the fireflies the japanese film Mm. um uh yeah so i i I think for me the reason i actually really responded to this movie was both i think the sense of being an immigrant to new york city and 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 like having to learn over time what being and what living in new york means and and also understanding that living in new york uh, contains multitudes many far and away different to my experience of living in new york city i you know like um i was thinking about you know a few weeks ago and, and, and this is all related to the movie because the movie is in one part the story of this of this mother and her child, but it is set against the backdrop of an ever-evolving New York City from 1994 through to 2001 through to
0: I think uh, 2005 or something like that as yeah. well. Yeah, they like uh, dropped the the naming the the, the numbering of the yeah. years after a while. And, yeah, so but there a was a there was a years,
1: nice so. textural quality to it where. The first half had like this beautiful film grain. We saw the, you know, the World Trade Center. We mm-hmm. heard the voices of Rudy Giuliani. We heard the voices of Mayor Bloomberg. When ah, uh,
0: the melodic when, when, sounds of Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Uh, what is it? The Four Seasons uh, Four Seasons spokesman landscaping. Yeah, Four yeah. Seasons
1: landscaping spokesman. Um, and and my point being is that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Something happened in New York City. So so we're going to get very specific because we are, we both live in New York City. This is a New York specific film. And I have loved that, you know, I, I grew up watching movies in New Zealand and Fiji. And and I didn't really, you know, I watched a lot of movies that were set in New York. I didn't really... I have a newfound appreciation of those movie now having lived in New York City. And uh, a couple, just a couple of weeks ago, something awful happened in New York City. You know, awful things happen in New York City all the time. But something happened on the subway where uh, a man mm-hmm. by the name of Jordan Neely was killed by um, another passenger. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, I don't want to get too much into the politics of that, but there's a thing about that event, which is that every New Yorker knows and understands what was happening in that scenario so if you don't live in New York City you might not know and understand that there are homeless people on the subway and and you know they they sometimes they will come and panhandle for change and that sort of thing and then the other times they will you know be be disruptive and you know the the sort of common New York re- expression um, reaction is just to leave and go to another carriage or you know like just you know keep yourself keep to yourself basically so when that happened you know like uh, the way it did, I think it was one of the first times I had to explain to my son, who was born in New York City, mm. that that's not what New Yorkers do. We do not, you know, like what happened to that man was unacceptable um, yeah. because that is not what New York is about. Um, and and so I was having that reaction. So when I watch a movie like, um, like 1001, okay. I'm thinking a lot about the way in which the movie is depicting the displacement of people over time through gentrification, through... Public policies, you know, starting with the broken window system through mm-hmm. to the stop and frisk through to um, the way in which the child foster care system uh, operates in New York City and can, you know, essentially swallow up children who, who have uh, far lesser outcomes than, than the average kid. And, and New York is this amazing thing, which is that it's New York's very small. Um, you know, like you can walk the length of Manhattan in a few hours and realizing that there are worlds in between those, four, you know, those four hours that are like vast and and and, you know, immense in the chasm between them. So like people have you know, the most extraordinary wealth next to the most extraordinary poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you see a film like this um, with Inez and her son, uh, Terry, you kind of. You're witnessing this micro, this micro-micro world that's really specific and beautiful and detailed, and I think it's full with um, minor notes that may not, you know, that may that may go over the head of someone who's not who's not hasn't lived in New York. I'm saying this all with the sort of like I'm an immigrant to the city. I mm-hmm. may be part of the problem. In terms of gentrification in terms of the way that people have been displaced economically because of uh you know the way new york city over you know like um brings in new waves of immigrants all the time um so i I was sort of thinking about that a lot in my mind but then i was also thinking about like there's a oneness to being part of new york as well where you're like this is you know this is our city this is how we live here we're all from somewhere we all have a story to tell and those stories are really beautiful um I think the performances in this are incredible. I think uh, Rockwell uh, does an incredible job of making that those sort of the the broader notes of the story, the broader political notes of the story, feel entirely integrated within the reality of Inez's life.
0: They like, feel personal.
1: Yeah, they feel personal to her. Um, and there's a, like a, a sort of implicit understanding of how the relationships are going to be working. So when Inez uh, initially takes her uh, her son. Uh, and then has to find a place to live and is calling around everyone we know. It, there's an amazing thing where, where she goes from, I believe it's Queens, you know, because she's been let out from Rikers Island or maybe mm-hmm. Brooklyn. And then in order to get away, they go to Harlem. Which you you know, like as a New Yorker you're just kinda like, that's not that far. You know, like you're you're really not moving that right. far. But it's like a whole other world as mm-hmm. far as the film is concerned. It's like they've moved to another country. Um and but then there's this beautiful sadness when Terry kind of says, Why isn't anyone looking for me? You know, and it's and yeah. you sort of realize in that moment that like he is just one of many children that is uh entirely lost in the system that you know not a lot of people are caring about and i think what that really leads to is this idea that inez uh as as someone who's only 22 years old at the beginning of this film i think there's a little, there's a beautiful detail which is that she eats candy like all the time she has this sort of like you know like she she actually barters candy with other kids um i think there's this like Beautiful idea that she doesn't really know what she's doing or why she's doing it, mm-hmm. and from the point of view of the film, we just kind of accept it that she is a parent who wants the best for her child, um, but there's more to it than that, and that struggle, as it lasts over uh, maybe a decade or so, becomes more complicated, um, and she is constantly at threat of both imploding herself and having the system implode against her. Yeah, and I think that's. Um, really amazing to watch and it's a real fine tightrope. Want to just special shout out the score for this by Gary Gunn is mesmerizing. It borrows yeah. notes from Quincy Jones which is obviously referenced in the film as well uh, but it is uh, like you know we said that thing on our episode with uh, Stephen Gallagher about movies and music when a movie has a really well considered beautiful integrated score it's usually a great sign about the actual quality of the movie itself so i loved it um i found it to be um you know a pretty uh, easy watch in terms of like just following a human story that had had many complexities to it um and i and i was very deeply moved by uh, a couple of the notes that we'll have to talk about in spoilers towards the end of the movie
0: uh, it's funny. It's one of the things that I felt didn't connect for me in the moment, but then upon thinking about it, it's exactly what you just said. Um, the way that when I was watching it and how they were cutting back to like New York and then clips of the different mayors and yeah. and and the things and whatever. Uh, it's funny. I didn't until like afterward. And I was thinking about it actively. I didn't make the connection. I was sort of like. Like I was like, okay, I get what they're trying to do, but I, like we don't focus on this enough, so I don't under like I, I didn't think it really connected. Mm. But then when when looking at it again and thinking through it, it it was actually perfect because what it did was it contextualized these large governmental swings mm. or or policies or the way that people are are or handled or treated or however you want to put it and it and it burrowed it down to a single family's uh what what affected a single family. Yeah. And it, throughout the course of that entire family. Um even something I mean we, they they you know uh, the broken windows uh stop and frisk all that stuff is very pertinent. But even things like um and again this is I guess minor spoilers uh mm-hmm. although uh we have said the spoiler when we just said the IMDb description. When Anes kidnaps Terry, I mean that 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 happens in the first from the kidnats, si- from the yeah. system. Yeah, the effect of that is that all of his papers are fake. Yeah. So that when Terry turns out that he's fairly gifted and he can mm-hmm. get into a better school with a better job and like all this other stuff and starts applying, the nice teacher uh, is like, "Yo, what? What's th- this? Is fake? What's going on?" Yeah, and then the teacher does the exact sort of stuff with the system and like comes with other people and police officers and like other th- and it like and
1: and, and he's going to have to go back into the system that he was taken away from
0: even though he is what like 3 weeks, three weeks, from weeks away being from 18? Being 18 yeah so like it's it it, it it was a real uh kick in the throat with just the way how cold uh, bureaucracy kind of can be uh, yeah. at, at the end of that. I mean, again, there's mil- there's tons of different things. I'm just, that's the one that's sort of yeah. like, with all the policy and things that was trying to be the backdrop affecting the family, I found it fascinating that we go from the, uh, what, again, I'm trying to think of the timeline, the 90s. Yeah, late, uh,
1: late 90s, uh, you know, uh, yeah. With the introduction, Giuliani gets elected at that at some point there, right? Right. And right. Kind of institutes this idea that we're going to clean up New York City, and it's ultimately it's kind of the period that's referred to as the Disneyfication of Times Square. It's when Times yeah. Square, you know, moves from being the sort of like grimy porno theater kind of uh, world that you would see in something like David Simon's The Deuce, uh, to a little bit more of a commercially viable place, and you know the the to I where think, we worked for years, <laughs> which is where we worked for years. And again, I, I remember I, I I went to a uh, um. Uh, uh, a film screening where a filmmaker, a very good, excellent filmmaker, is actually one of my favorite films of the last decade, but they talked about, like, because of their film, they had to travel to New York City, and they wanted to see the New York City of Martin Scorsese or, you know, like the the, the sort of uh, Abel Ferreira's, you know, New York City, the yeah. grimy, romanticized, like, crime-ridden thing. I was like, and when I moved to New York City, you know, like, I went to Times Square, and it was, like, filled with Disney characters. And I was like, I... It's not that I prefer this, but I also don't want to romanticize that, like, really bad period of New York City where mm-hmm. it's like it was rough to live in. Um, but, of course, the other thing that this movie has that has uh, that is beautiful is a window of perspective. Because mm-hmm. Giuliani eventually, you know, like America's mayor who – who I, I love that the movie actually doesn't reference 9-11 at all. Just kind of yep. skips right
0: over it. Because Shows the world trade and then never touches it, which is, like, really it. And I
1: think, good. Never for, for the right reasons which is that as far as Inez is concerned Doesn't 9-11 matter. is not a you know not a part of her worldview that really matters all that much it it's was probably super something refreshing. that she saw but not you know something that she was like I'm gonna join you know like uh, you know join the military or anything like that it, was, it wasn't It was that kind of event for her
0: and, and it's and, funny we've been trained too when we see the world trades and something happens in the yeah. late 90s i'm like oh they're gonna mention 9-11 and then yeah. they just don't and they i was like don't. yeah 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 and then giuliani this week
1: has been sued for sexual harassment uh no. by a former assistant and no. yeah this week and i actually read the transcript of, or the actual uh submission and
0: it's like it's pretty horrific um and i thought we broke that story when we when we reviewed the borat second movie probably yeah there you go and then and also like um
1: giuliani's relationship to donald trump and of course we made jokes about the four seasons landscaping but you know that sort of period with the unraveling of giuliani from uh you know american hero folklore is kind of to- told about him and his and his stewardship of new york during uh 9-11 uh through to like who is this person and what are they about bloomberg in much the same way you know running um for presidency as well um, unraveling some of the narrative about the you know his economic growth during that period. And in the film, how that's reflected in the film is that we initially begin to see these kind of like one-to-one bodegas. There's this sort of like bartering system of New York City of how things get done. It's like you go to the bodega, you pay, pay a couple of bucks, you get, you know, the, the candy that she wants, plus a newspaper under the you know, from a from a rotating window. To eventually by the end of the uh, end of the movie we're seeing old navy stores in the neighborhood that she grew up in. And yeah. of course she is being Uh, itched out of the community, you know, so there is this amazing sequence where uh, we see across the way uh, a new landlord has bought the building in Harlem. We know that the neighbors are changing their, you know, ethnic, you know, we're seeing uh, white people move into Harlem. We're seeing that her landlord comes in sort of like kindly, oh, I can fix this stuff up for you. And then kind of undermining that by saying, oh, well, we're not really going to fix it up. Maybe you could just leave knowing that he could get a better, you know, like a higher rent than right. what she's been paying, which is really shitty, but part of the, you know, part of the way that the economic communities of New York has been moving in the last few years, you know, just look at Williamsburg as a, as a, a prime example. Yeah. That used to be a drug den for heroin uh, addicts and is now one of the most prized pieces of real estate. My, my favorite thing about, like, you know you're priced out of Williamsburg when the fact that the, that a uh, Apple Store and Equinox and a Whole Foods all opened up across the way from each other Um, all of this is to say that this relationship at the center of the movie between inez and terry which you know has that sort of um um, grand scope of uh, change that that we saw in a movie like moonlight um is played against this backdrop of a new york city that is really pushing up against them and there is this like persistent fear that that something is going to unravel, and surely enough, it does unravel. But what I think is makes this movie really work for me is that, despite the fact that Inez, um, you know, demonstrates impulsiveness, immaturity, uh, inability to to kind of manage situations, she is persistent, and that line that she says, "I will go to war for you," is is a hundred percent earnest i you know i will go to war for you uh against everybody out here against the system against everything it's and, funny and she oh, so. does
0: yeah young Inez at in, the, in that moment um it's weird in the beginning the first third or half or whatever i kind of it's weird that was both like a promise of protection and a bit I, I took it also as a bit of a threat like she hmm. hadn't proven that she she's doing the best she can with what she has and in hmm. the back of my head i'm like i don't know like it doesn't feel like enough for this kid like there's moments where like where where uh in moments of frustration she screams at him and swears at him and hits him yeah. like um and again the a, a human character like there there's there's even though she does intensely love this person, after seeing those things, when she's yelling that to him, "I would go to war for you," that to me was both like it was a dichotomy of incredibly uh, endearing and strong and emotional, but also like kind of scary um, it, because it, 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 she's a
1: child, you know? She's because 22. he's a child. She's yeah, because she's a child too. She's a child. Yeah.
0: So like so so, and then it's funny like. I think, uh, and I think why I like discussing this film and thinking about it a lot is as you sort of break it down in her, her process of growing up, both uh, raising uh, Terry but also uh, her relationship with Lucky, uh, played by, I'm trying to remember the actor's name. He's so good. He's so good at He's this. real good. William Catlett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so good. Uh, again, complex, flawed, realistic feeling character.
1: Can I tell you the um, moment that broke my heart in this yeah, movie yeah. Uh,
0: was when, so
1: Lucky, you know, Lucky is uh, her lover who comes back from prison, uh, forms a relationship with him, but it's a little bit on and off uh, with her. Uh, they get married. Uh, there are fights. Eventually, uh, you know, I, I guess we should go yeah, into we'll the Yeah, we'll get Yeah. He gets cancer um, or some some kind of terminal disease and passes away. Yeah. Um, it is intimated during that that he has other women um on the side and then and then at his wake which is on the block um, the other woman turns up with a baby and Inez sees it and and Terry sees it or Daryl, uh, depending on how you want to um, you know call him yeah sees it and says who's that and Inez very calmly says Uh, that's your, you know, that's Lucky's other wife and their daughter. And then he caught, and then she calls her over and, and she says, make her, fix her a plate. And I, I, I found that I'm even just kind of like getting choked up thinking about it is like, that is this incredible thing of like, yes, you were, my, my husband was cheating on me with you, but you also are going, are living through the world that we live in and you have a child. So in this house, you are welcome.
0: Yeah, it, it, it shows incredible uh, growth over the span, right? Like I don't, tw- I don't know if it's growth. I, I, I put it down to that's New York.
1: You know, like that's, that,
0: that um, to me is New York. I think it's growth. I think 22-year-old Inez, from what we see in this movie, maybe. would not maybe. have reacted the same way. Like, I think that's – maybe and maybe that feeling that you're describing of that's New York is <laughs> sort of a – once you're an adult here for a long time, like yeah. in different ways, again, everyone's experience That's why Yorkers. what happened
1: on the subway with Jordan Neely is so appalling. Right. Because that's not New York. You know what I mean? And and this, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's, a, it's an evolution of her growth. But it's just like when she calls her over and says, fix her a plate. And it's like it's done with a complete um, lack of malice or malintent mm-hmm. or hurt or anything. It's just like you you know and i think that's I, what we i'm shared talking the same about person too. yeah
0: yeah like like there's stuff when again when she's a kid like you called out when she's 22 that does have malice and ill intent to it again not not uh not not in a like uh purposeful villainous way but like in a way like she like she attacks the woman whose house she's staying at very briefly and it's like like so like again like that 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 shows to me like a very large sort of character arc of growth, um, or, or change at least in how you react to the system or even how you react to the New York that has kind of built her. I, I you know? also
1: I, I think the other thing is like, you know, she she makes that line, I will go to war for you. And for this film, going to war for, for Terry means going to a job in Queens and being a cleaner and, you know, kind of holding back on this dream that she had to open up her own shop. Like, going to war for him meant showing up and, you know, doing all the things that needed to be done to ensure that he gets a good education and is has more opportunity. And I think it really, like, so the the major reveal in this film later on is that, you know, she is not his mother. Yeah. Uh, she is not his biological mother, at least. Um, and, um, you know, uh, his biological mother abandoned him at some point and she kind of was there when that happened
0: yeah she um, found and, him and took him to the system.
1: Yeah, took him into the system. And then she's also a product of that system as well. She yeah. was in, she grew up in foster care and um, she went to prison as well. Um, so she, like, you know, at the hospital makes that decision that it, it is a very challenging decision, but she like for better or for worse, I'm gonna try something here. and and she she takes him. And what I love is that, like, again, for lucky, when when she's with lucky, she, you know, she. I was listening to an interview with Avi Rockwell where she talks about the fact that Inez's whole thing is that she is just a giving. She gives everything she has for this family, and what she wants from Lucky is for him to show up for her. You know, like he want she she wants him to be part of this journey for her because she needs that. She needs someone else like him, and so that amazing growth is that she goes day in day out gets a job um you know when she sees that lucky has uh, another family accepts that that is what it is and continues to do whatever is necessary to ensure that terry has the has the opportunities and then as it turns out later on it turns out he is a gifted student um and in in, in the same way that the system will like suck up uh someone who is uh, abandoned like that, it is also, there are mechanisms within the system when they identify students like him to push him into, you know, like there's this amazing thing when you're a parent um, about the New York city school system that is so cutthroat. But if you make it into one of like two or three schools, like Brooklyn tech, Stuyvesant, um, uh, a couple of others, th- that is like this funnel into the whole world. And so for everyone in the city, they are fighting to get into that funnel and so for him to get into that funnel is like amazing. And at the end of the movie, when it all comes tumbling down, she says this incredible line. She goes, I know what the fuck they, you know, everyone's going to say to me, but it doesn't matter. Cause I won. And I, I like that line destroyed me. She goes, cause I won. And she was like, because you're going to be something, um, you're going to make uh, be something better than that. And I was just like, I, you know, like all of this, that that's what going to war was. It's like surviving in New York city. Um, and it's, it's, It's heartbreaking. You know, like basically
0: the city just chews you up and and kind of spits you out and doesn't really give a shit. I think that's where where my difficulty came from. Like, I I mean, you've even talked to this, just not about the movie, just personally talking about kids going to school, right? Like what you just mentioned. What an absolute fucked up system that like like look i get it like Ooh. some children are gifted and you know they they'll be the ones that are sort of lifted up or whatever but Ooh. like that all like you what you don't hear about i think too is now i'm just going off on a bit of a tangent that i just find difficult is like average students yeah they just get fucked yeah. like and it's like <laughs> they a, <do>. and <laughs> that's a that's a fault in the entirety of our education system based on well, i mean we're too many things to get into here but like this, this film, and I think maybe this might shed light a little bit more on, on why I found it sort of difficult as a watch, but I do think it has incredible value, is all this movie is, uh, outside of being like the love of this one, per- this one family unit, uh, is showing how the entirety of the system is built to fuck them. And it's hard to watch, but it's, it feels truthful and, yeah. and brutal and, uh, I, you know, I think the thing is um, the system,
1: as far as a practical day to day, you know, education, health insurance, that the sort of functional arms yeah. of the government aren't designed to fuck you, but they do because because they're dealing with both the extremities of the system so like the people who are going to be really you know successful in it or who have wealth and you know like it's it, there's got to be an operational mode within the system for like to to facilitate those people and it's going to run over all the people behind that, and the middle range, you know, the middle class is going to be walked all over in that as well.
0: I mean, I think the system was was initially designed with that, but it has been conscripted. Well, actually, no. The, I, the I'm just saying, system... I don't think
1: it's intended to do that.
0: Oh, I absolutely do. But but, yeah, but means... it is the way it's worked out. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's both. Yeah. We Again, we won't get into it too much, well, but I do believe the Amer- the way that the American governmental system works is designed mm-hmm. to specifically... Fuck groups of people. Well,
1: what happens is, and this is the important part factor to to understand, is that systemic racism, the thing that everyone is kind of trying to avoid teaching in schools from now on critical race theory and what have you, identifies that the people that get most shafted by the system are ethnic minorities that have had um, institutional racism against them for many, many years, which causes these cycles of poverty. And, and... You know, the one of the movies that we reviewed very, very early on in uh, in the podcast was Where to Invade Next with Michael Moore. Yep. And, and you know, one of the things he did was he went to, like, different parts of the world and was like, well, how can we borrow, you know, like, we invade for all sorts of things. How can we borrow better, better systems? Yep. And they go to, I believe it's Finland, which has one of the best education systems in the world. And fundamentally, in Finland, th- th- this has stayed with me since we watched that movie. Yeah. It's like this idea that's like... Uh, the school you're zoned for is just as good a school as this next school in the next zone for the next kid who's going there. That is not the case in the United States. No. And that is not the case in America. That is definitely not the case in New York city. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's been, uh, lots of studies, uh, or lots of reformation going around the gifted and talented program, uh, which is essentially the kind of the, the pipeline that Terry gets put into. Yeah. And I know this because my son is in that program and we had to work to get him into that program. And it's, Horrifying! What ha- these kids have to go through. So my son gets in the vicinity of like two hours of homework every day. He is seven years old, um, and it is because he is in this program that is accelerated um, with the intent to accelerate him through other in, into other uh, parts of the, the you know better schooling opportunities, what have you, in the in the city. And what they found, uh, for example, Stuyvesant, um, uh, they're trying to remove this gifted and talented program right now. Um, because what they found is that there, people like myself or other communities come in and we understand how to work the system. So we understand how to like, make sure our kids are going to the right um, after school programs in order mm-hmm. to learn what they need to learn in order to get into that program. And there are people within, those commu- within the communities around Stuyvesant that don't know about it. And they're the ones that get shafted because they are coming from a different perspective of of not having both the opportunity, wherewithal, um, systemic... uh um, upper hands given to them in order to make these systems work, and that's and that's I think how it's played out. And what what you have in a society like Finland, Japan, all the Scandinavian countries, you know, it's the thing that Bernie Sanders always talks about. We we are getting into a political conversation here.
0: I mean, yeah.
1: But is that is that the system is supposed to equalize all of those? uh Or yes. you know what the, the way it works for everyone in America. You know, I, I again. I think about uh, Brad Pitt's line in in uh, the end of Killing Them Softly. He's like, America's not a country; it's a business." You know, now fucking yeah. pay me. <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. I just think about that line a lot. Um, and and you know, bringing it back to this movie is that for Niz. She manages to ensure that Terry, this kid that she found on the street, that she has no blood blood relation with, she is she when she says she won, she made sure that that kid was gonna make something of himself, yeah. and she gave him the opportunity to do it. We don't know if he's going to. We don't know if he's gonna get swallowed up into the system. He is on the precipice as it is. He's about to enter uh, a foster system. He is about to probably, you know. Um, uh, enter into probably a period of homelessness uh, according to the way the Foster system would work, which is that at 18 he'll probably be kicked out of that system Mm -hmm. and have to fend for himself now that he doesn't have the bed that his mother made according to, you know, as it's quoted in this line. Um, But she pushed him as far as she could. She gave him as much as she could. And, and that's what going to war for him meant. And, and I, you know, like again, I, I just think, um, yeah it's 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 it's, a, it's miserable to think about the economic reality of the of where this film exists in. It's even harder when you live here and you see it up uh, up close. Um but I think what's amazing that Rockwell does is she makes that struggle
0: beautiful. You know, she makes she that struggle. Yeah. Yeah, she makes that struggle beautiful and also accessible for others to see and mm. others to experience to a point to the point that a film can do. Yeah. Um and It's funny. I think I think there's not enough. Uh, I don't know how to put this. There was one. There was a review I watched mm-hmm. of this film that pissed me off. Okay. Um, and it was uh, the reviewer said something along the lines of like, what was really great is this movie is masquerading as woke, but it's not woke. And I was like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> But their thing was, all of the faults, everything that was wrong was a Inez's fault. They don't blame—it's not a white person's problem that caused it. And I'm like, motherfucker, like, did you not watch the fucking movie? And like, so part of me is like, I'm so glad that this exists, and more stories like this should exist to show other people not from this—that that life— that this is happening in the United States and it's a, a, a fucking lot.
1: It's ha- but and, also... And, and the, the thing that for us is it's happening within a 10 mile radius oh, yeah. of us. Yes. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, that's the amazing thing. But, we live in this the, like, beautiful little bubble where yeah. we do a podcast every week, but 10 miles from us. 1000%. Yeah. 1000%. Less than 10 miles.
0: Uh, but then I'm like, I, I'm really glad that that gets in front of people. But then when I see it get in front of people I think could utilize this message and maybe learn from it, because those people don't. Want to learn how the world was built? Uh, it it is it's just sort of a, an odd like it doesn't it doesn't do what I what I want it to do, and it's not the movie's fault. This is this is society's fault. I'm th- this movie is exquisite. Mm. I hope I'm not coming down on it. Mm. It 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 rightfully and purposefully and and importantly showed a ton of love and pain and uh it's incredibly effective yeah uh i and to to to, hear, to your point uh of it being uh you know a 10 mile radius in new york like yeah like that that makes it uh more poignant for us i think or yeah. people that are in new york um and it's just an interesting I, I, I want more people to see this movie and I want people to take away all of the aspects not just aspects that I feel like uh and again this is not the movie's fault this is the interpretation of a review that pissed me off I'm just it it got to me I was like oh at first I was like oh man look at this cool thing that now people be able to and then like instantly the wrong take and I was like it's weird it's weird I think that's I I did see
1: um, on YouTube that um uh, thumbnail. I didn't watch that review, um, but I read a few different reviews from Guardian and um, Roger Ebert's, uh dot com had a had a review of this. Um, I I have seen that the the problem is is the movie isn't proliferating to a wide enough audience to even yeah. have that kind of impression. It's hitting the exact kind of people that are going to pay money to go see this movie. But now I'm going to divert for a little bit because uh, this is a, a a topic of conversation that I really. Um, uh, think about a lot um, but just this week it, it, I, I know we're sort of closing out on the film film is magnificent um, I think it's really beautiful uh, I, I also think it's a very easy watch like I think it's kind of a um, um, I found it very effortless to watch now I certainly have a different uh, you know I watch a lot of movies uh, I uh, so so take that with what you will I appreciate that for, for Matt you it, it may have been uh, you know, it can be a challenging watch to watch a kid in danger uh, at times, but I, but I think, uh, I found it, uh, personally, um, because it's so exquisitely made, um, and so human and it's reveals towards the end were sort of surprising. I think as a movie going experience, uh, it's not miserable to watch, you know, like it's sort of built right. on beauty and that's what I, that's what I really responded to, um, so I, I wanted to just touch on this one thing that that uh, is just coming from what you just said, which is that in Florida this week, oh, always God. in Florida, um, uh, a school teacher is being uh, investigated for showing the movie Strange World. Um, now I don't know if you saw the movie Strange World, as an animated film with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in the lead. Uh, voice it's a Disney movie. I took my son to see the movie. we had a good time on it. I think oh, I, tweet- yeah. I tweeted uh, about it being like a, a really fun rainy day movie. and I think I also noted that that one of the things about it that I really enjoyed was that there is uh, a gay character in it, a young man who's gay who talks about her, a crush that he has and it is completely normalized within the context of the movie. Um, what's amazing is that they they run and they meet uh, an older patriarch of the film so the granddad. Uh, and he is equally excited about this boy's crush. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was like, I loved that in 2023 uh, I could go to a movie with my seven-year-old son and his friends. And it was just a normal thing so that yes. if one of them is gay or, or anything, they won't ever feel like that it's not normal or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, I, I, I want to live in that world where yeah, that is the case. same, man. Now, that is not the world that, you know, so you're talking about you you hope the right people would see that film. Uh, a school board member investigated uh d- decided to, to to launch an investigation as to why this film was shown to fifth graders in a in a high school in um into an elementary school in in florida and the reasoning is that she feels that this brings gender politics into into school now it's amazing yeah. because there's literally one or two lines in the movie like it's it's barely anything uh the movie is about eco you know the climate change and uh eco-terrorism or however you want to do it let's uh,
0: but but the, things po- that the, the things that the media is actually trying to distract us from yeah. by putting us to war with people that I <laughs> I, I God. But to your point,
1: I think the issue is when America as a country feels like we're getting political about every we're, we're getting divided about things that have. No need to be divided upon. Like we we seem to have t- taken gun control into being a a cultural issue as opposed to like a pragmatic how do we make it safer for people to go to shopping malls. Yep. Um, and same with this movie with, with with the strange world conversation is that it somehow became political to show a Disney movie in. Uh, a, high, you know, a high school or a, an elementary
0: school. A PG-rated a, Disney movie. A
1: PG-rated movie. Rated Disney movie. And then Disney itself, um, you know, like the, the, the cornerstone of uh, most of our cultural mainstays for the last you know, 40, 50, 60 years, is now itself a political entity, according to Ron DeSantis' uh, Florida government. I think what is happening is that in the case of a film like a thousand and one we are getting it to you know like we are we are not the people whose minds need to be changed about you know understanding these these topics sure um, whether the people whether this movie will change the minds of people who do need to see it you know uh, here's a good here's a good example whether Rudy Giuliani would watch this movie <laughs> and think again about his time as the mayor of New York City I don't know that that. I don't know if anything has that capacity. And there was an article I read years ago about the White House that made me think about this, um, which was that uh, Donald Trump's White House was the first White House that didn't have an active readership. Or an active engagement in the arts. Um, Obama's White House, even George W. Bush senior, uh, George W. Bush's White House, had an active engagement in the arts, where they would like watch movies, think about movies. Obama puts out a list of like his favorite things that he sees, and he talks about them, Um, because art has that ability to create a reflection within us and the ability to change our hearts and minds and to think about a broader world. And what I'm concerned about is, you know, and the reason why. I want people, to, why I bring these kinds of movies into the podcast is that, you know, even tying it back to our first email from Paul where someone disagreed with us or someone didn't know about this movie. Yeah. But now well, And maybe it'll, you know, like open that person up to seeing more movies or to think about the world around them in a little bit a way. And maybe something as sanctimonious as I've just said will get my opinion changed about something because we'll have an engagement with the arts. And that's what the arts is supposed to do. And that's what movies are supposed to do. It's supposed to create an engagement where we think about the world that we live in and change our minds about it, whether we agree or disagree with it at all. Uh, I know that it's a long tangent uh, from where we're going, but it's just the way you were talking about the movie made me think about. and, And it's also the way the movie actually operates, because the movie is about this family in the broader political context of how the city has changed and evolved.
0: Yeah, I I think it's not as far of a of a of a reach or, or or a topic shift as 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 you just sort of said. I think it's all very very tied together. Um, it's it's funny we've been doing this podcast for eight years. Yeah, it has been a while, <laughs> something like that. Oh uh, man, man, what's the paper anniversary? Is that ten years? I don't remember. Yeah, fuck, we could we could get up to ten years then. Yeah. Uh, and then we're stopping yeah. um, <laughs> but but like, even before this podcast, uh I mean I was doing a version of film criticism or film review or even just working in television or making you know my own my own movies, et cetera and she, and I know you've been doing it for just as long, if not longer mm. um and it's so interesting to look at the 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 cultural space in which cinema sits now uh. it, because now no matter what everything is political uh-huh. um now now granted spoiler alert everything was always political politics is just the interaction of human beings in a structure so <laughs> but like it also now is becoming the focal point as opposed to the backbone uh-huh. of of all conversation and uh to the point. I mean, this this gets a little personal, but like uh, my parents are coming to visit this weekend. Okay, uh, I'm excited to see them. Take them to the movies, make them watch. Yeah, this. we're gonna go see. Yeah, we're gonna go <laughs> see. The uh, 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 no, but like just with conversations I've had with them recently, they mentioned that they didn't want to ride the subway.
1: Okay, was it because of what had happened recently?
0: i Well, no, no one has said it,
1: and that's fair to be honest. If you're coming from the outside of New York City, it's you could read a story like that and go, "What the fuck?"
0: Sure. Yeah, But also I've noticed in this political climate, and this is no slight to my parents, I love my parents, and they're both very good people. Yeah. Um, but having a conversation about that based around politics mm. and based around someone who is not here mm. is going to be incredibly difficult. And I think everyone's worldview, my own included, mm. is better when we start to look beyond the headline of a thing it's just difficult, and, and 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 I don't know. Maybe this is. <laughs> I guess this is growing up. Spending time, you go from twenty-two-year-old Inez to you know uh, older Inez when you realize that like it's it can't just be all about you and your effectiveness. It has to be about like other things. Like it's just, yeah. It's it's an interesting thing. I'm now tangenting way harder than you did. Let's wrap this <laughs> up. Yeah. Uh, Shaheer, this has been the only podcast about, about the socioeconomic collapse of our, uh, country, but also, uh, (laughs) a a thousand and one, a thousand and one, uh, when you are not, ooh, ooh, when you are not, uh, eating, uh, candy all day and all night, where can folks find you?
1: (laughs) That that is actually very accurate as before we got into this podcast, (laughs) I did down, uh, three thin mint cookies from uh, three uh, Girl Scout thin mint cookies that's a baked good uh, <laughs> you know either way it's not good for me uh, you can find me uh, trying to find more Girl Scout cookies on my website www.shahirdowd.com that's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-O-D Matt when you are going to be doing the inevitable thing that people do when they come to New York City uh, which is take a person on the subway and having to swipe your card three times for you <laughs> and each of your parents <laughs> you know like have you, you you've seen everyone doing that with a like then no, no, just, just walk through it. Just walk through it. Where can people find you?
0: <laughs> you can find me. That is, we've called each other out very accurately uh, at the end of this. You can find me uh, swiping again at this turnstile over at my website at m-a-t-t-h-e-w-k-r-l.com. My life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four. P-R-E-Z on Instagram and PSN. And, of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra History and Extra Credits. Actually, today, I want to give out a, a, a call um, out to... Um, the extra credits channel. Okay, uh, because we have just finally, after the channel split, mm-hmm. launched our talk show that we've been doing weekly on Twitch. Extra breakfast, nice, is now going to be weekly on YouTube, nice. and we just launched our first one. Yeah, um, I do a ritual where I don't look at the numbers for the first few days. I have no idea how it's doing. Do you I, I have to theories them now. Shall nope. Me? Nope.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: and, and I know they're going to be much, much lower than the other ones. That's totally fine because it's a it's a, a, the difference between a six to eight minute piece of animated content versus an hour and twenty. Uh, kind of like what we're doing right now. Right. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but it also lets us do like in-the-moment discussions about gaming. Case in point, the new Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is exquisite, came out, um, and we wouldn't be able to talk about that. Our our production cycle is six weeks-ish, right? So that means that I would have to like do all the the script of the animation and where my team would anyway. But now with this talk show, I can basically like me and my co-host Will, we can actually like discuss things that are happening actively in a less evergreen environment. And I'm just <laughs> I'm excited to be able to do that and see how people like it. Do I need to get a uh, Nintendo Switch? I mean, if you want to play Legend of Zelda, then I yes. know it's
1: a, like Legend of Zelda is the only. Ten out of ten game from I was one of like five ten out of ten games from IGN and a couple other places.
0: You'd want to start with Breath of the Wild, and you're more than welcome to borrow my copy if you if you need. Well, I don't have a
1: Switch, so. Uh,
0: well, that's if you got a Switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That you could save. <laughs> I, the I, I think
1: bucks. I would only be getting a Switch to play this one game.
0: Uh there, there's others, we don't get into it now. The, the Switch is an excellent system, though. Um, my guess is they release a new Pro version in 2024. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Anyway. Uh, please check out that stuff and oh, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Did you like a thousand and one? Do you know why it's called a thousand and one? Do you know she here? I do. It's missing a hyphen. Right, it is. Yeah, <laughs> that is right. It's it's the it's the reverse number. One of the numbers on her door uh, flipped around upside down on the thing. I, I didn't no, get it's that. A, in- it's her door. Her her number
1: is ten zero one, and it's missing the divider. So it's just one thousand and one.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. I thought, for whatever reason, I thought it was like flipped around and that's why it was. Anyway, it's the number <laughs> do- on her door. It's the number on her door. Yeah. yeah. It's um, also
1: because it's a prequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey.
0: We all know that. Technically, everything is. Everything's a sequel,
1: right? Everything's, everything's a, sequel? a sequel? Yeah, because, because 2001 starts at the
0: dawn of man. But it also ends at an undisclosed time. Yeah, so yeah. what, yeah. what could really film... just like, he was like,
1: look, I'm going to uncover the entire spectrum of all movies from now on. What are going to be within the 2001 cinematic universe
0: that can be in the middle of any of that move. Like it's not yeah. a prequel. It's not a sequel. It's a, it's a midquel a legacy. Equal. A la- I mean,
1: everything is a legacy. to 2001.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm happy with that. Anyway, next week, you know, we talked a lot about family this episode, <laughs> but next week we're going to talk about family.
1: We we so we did Fast Eight. That's the only Fast and the Furious movie. We, did I we know, not you, do nine? You, I think you did nine and oh, ten. Oh, me and Dave. I haven't seen any. I have not kept up with this at all. Yo. <laughs> Yo, the reviews have not been kind to begin with.
0: I believe I believe the quote uh, that has been quoted is "Fast X is spinning its wheels." <laughs> it also, the direct Justin
1: Lin left during production, yep. and Louis Leteria picked it up of the taken fame is that right
0: uh yeah so we'll see we'll, we'll see, see. I, it, I, at least
1: it'll be easy and convenient
0: to get to yeah uh, it'll be it. playing everywhere for 2 weeks and then be gone forever yeah. uh anyway now we'll talk about that with you next week i hope you have a lovely time in between then and now bye everybody bye <laughs>